Hey, Beauty Needs Me family, welcome to another episode. I'm Dooney, and on this episode, Talia and I chat with Herman Riley, digital brand manager for Dove and Dove Men US. Herman lets us in on his journey into the beauty industry, the innovative initiatives Dove has taken as a brand, and his perspectives on beauty as a Black man in the industry. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, and feel free to write us a review on Apple Podcasts so others can learn about us as well. Thank you. Enjoy. Hey, Herman. Thanks for coming on to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So you're the digital brand manager for Dove and Dove Men Cares in the U.S. Tell us a bit about your career path and how you landed your position at Dove. Yeah, it's um, it's been pretty interesting. I, um, as you know, Talia, I went to Morehouse in Atlanta. Um, and so while I was at Morehouse, I interned a lot of different places, interned at an insurance company, found out that working in insurance was not for me. Um, I, I could interned- have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, I interned at um, the High Museum. So I'm super into art, not at the level where I'd be like a collector, but I just like, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting field. So I interned there um, and we did like a lot of college nights where we had folks from all the schools in Atlanta kind of come into the museum for free or for a discounted price on a night. Um, then I fell in love with my internship at HBO um, here in New York. And so I always thought that I would work in entertainment, um, but I ended up getting a job offer from American Express Um, which was my first job out of college. And I got that job offer December of my senior year. I had student loans to pay back. I was like, listen, I'm gonna take this job and run with it. Um, So that's what I did. And I had always had like a goal to get to New York and work in marketing. And I figured I could find my way once I got here. Um, That took a lot longer than I expected. So I always said that I didn't wanna work on Wall Street because Morehouse's business program is a feeder school to Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and Bank of America. And that's just not me at all. Um, so when I got the job at Amex, I was like, well, it's not Wall Street, but it's like Wall Street adjacent. It's like Wall Street um, cousin. Exactly. And like Goldman Sachs is literally across the street. Um, so um, I was in marketing though. So that was like the exciting part. But what I didn't realize is that in marketing at a place like Amex, it's not like, hey, which color blue are we going to use today? Which um, singer or actress are we putting in this campaign it's more about like crunching numbers and making the numbers make sense and trying to paint a pretty picture with a bunch of data so using pivot tables and i was in excel nonstop and building like scorecards so and i tell people i literally counted cards every day for a living that was my job um so after that i worked at audible the audiobook division amazon Um, And I worked there for um, almost almost six years. It was over five years. Um, And I did similar work to what I did at Amex, but I had more autonomy. Um, I was able to kind of make decisions um, without, you know, a lot of red tape and politics. Um, And I could get campaigns out of the door very easily. Um, and so I had been applying at places like Pepsi because I kind of wanted to try my hand at consumer packaged goods. And I know Pepsi was doing like a lot of cool stuff with um, consumer insights and cultural insights and their multicultural team is kind of um, world renowned. So I wanted to kind of 
try my hand at that. But I ended up um, interviewing. So my friend Ebony, it works at um, Unilever and Consumer Insights. And I had been applying for a role um, on a digital team that was more like e-com focused. And I didn't get that job. And then the um, recruiter was like, hey, you know, we have these other roles available. Um, they're building out digital brand manager roles on most of the brands. And um, we think that that might be a better fit anyway. And so I was like, I'm, you know, willing to try it out. And so I met with the um, senior brand manager on the Doveman Plus Care team. It was a black guy who went to an HBCU. He was Tuskegee. Um, he actually worked at Pepsi before coming to Unilever. Um, and we just hit it off. Like we had a 30 minute conversation that turned into an hour. I then went in for an interview and a week later I got the offer. So that's how I ended up at Unilever. It was kind of happenstance, but it's, um, it's been a great ride. Is he your boss now, that guy? He, he was my boss for my first six months in role. And then there was a reorg. Um, so I'd reported to someone else and now he's actually left the company to, to uh, start his own business. So yeah. did you think about getting into beauty before the opportunity came up? Had, I did not. Never thought it wasn't. I did not. Working in beauty was never a thought of mine. I thought that within marketing, I knew I had to get out of like financial services and selling audiobooks also wasn't my thing. So I thought the next step would be something entertainment focused or maybe something uh, more media focused, but never in beauty. But as we continue to kind of talk, we'll you'll learn that like I have been doing stuff in the entertainment space and in the media space, because as you know, Dove works very closely with Essence and Essence Festival. So I've had the opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff. Okay, with the teaser. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so what I want to, I'm interested in what some of your early thoughts on beauty in general were. Like, did you always think it was just for women? And what was your idea of beauty and what it is to be beautiful? So I because of my experience, I knew that the field would be mostly women. So even at American Express, um, and I don't know, how candid can I be on this podcast? Very, very, I'm in a very, role. You could be as okay. candid as you want. <laughs> I, I knew from my time at American Express that there would be a lot of women in marketing in general. Even if I go back to HBO, women were like running things. And at HBO, Black women and um, Latina women were really running things. Like, I remember when I was interning there, um, we, there were like four corners and there were four corner offices, all women. And that was in 2008 and 2009. Um, so I knew that I, like being a man in marketing is kind of rare because most men who are in business kind of focus on finance or accounting. Um, and even at Amex, I always say that Amex is like the place you go to be a working mother because they really do cater to women and specifically in marketing. I don't know about other groups, but in marketing, it's a great place to kind of, if you want to have a career and raise a family, perfect place to be. And so I always knew that um, marketing in general was kind of women focused. Um, but um, in beauty, I am actually shocked at the number of men that sit on kind of Dove and Suave and Tresemme, um, because you would think that it would be mostly women, but um, there are uh, quite a few men in, in, in those categories and on those brands. So just, See, I think, because, I know, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, to piggyback off of that, so I, um, 
my business on the side is working with beauty brands to break them into African markets. And mm -hmm. up until recently, almost always the decision maker is a man. Almost, really? almost always the decision maker is a man. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. More specifically, a white man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting about that, I think Unilever is special because beauty and personal care is led by a black woman. Um, and I think the most of the leaders are women, um, but there are kind of junior level folks like me or mid-level folks um, who are the, where there are more men. But I think for, for the most part, the leaders of the beauty um, uh, verticals are typically women. See, and what I was going to say is because we've all seen Boomerang, they would just lead you to believe that right. men have always just been like at the top of beauty. But then again, he was oust by a woman. So exactly, exactly, exactly. And then we're in Boomerang. That was like an ad agency, right? It was. Yeah. Okay. So Talia, yeah. I, Talia, this is your second Boomerang reference on the pod. Girl, that's my shit. <laughs> Boomerang is... is Top three favorite movies of all time. That's my shit. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. a classic. I just think it's funny because yeah. it definitely brings it up. Everything comes back to boomerang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Herman, growing up in Savannah, Georgia, um, as a man in the South, was personal care and upkeep kind of touted as a priority in your house? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um you know, people in the South spend most of their time getting ready for work and for church. I know. <laughs> and, and, go, and going out to eat. That's all there is to do. There's nothing else to do. Um, so, I mean, it's funny enough, like, back to your first question, though, like, growing up, I was like, I gotta be, I'm gonna be a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher. Those are my options. And then I think coming to New York and visiting, a, I have an uncle who lives here, that opened my eyes to like what was actually available in the world. Like he was taking me to visit his friends at like VH1 and BET and he took me to 106 in Park and TRL and uncle? Marie Claire. And is he married? He, <laughs> he, he's, he's attached and he's not even, I don't he's know he's broke. He's not rich. <laughs> he's not rich, but he's just like, he worked in the field. He used to work for Oprah. He's worked for BET, for Wendy Williams. So he's very connected and like, if his nephew was coming to town, he rolled out the red carpet. I was going to Broadway shows and eat filet mignon at like seven, eight years old. Yes, I'm trying to be that auntie. I'm trying but to I'll, be that auntie. Exactly, right? Exactly, because exposure is what it's all about. I would go back to Savannah and my parents would be like, why is this little Negro ordering um, $50 steaks? Because we got it like that. <laughs> yes, so something that is just appropriate for my level is whenever I, when I had my niece and nephew one weekend, my brother called me like, stop taking these kids to Honey Grow. We not buying them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, the, that's the point of having uncles and aunts to really be able to like spoil you, right? The way mm -hmm. that your parents won't or exactly. can't, um, especially growing up in Savannah, Georgia. But to your question, Talia, yeah, um, it was a big deal. Like I tell everybody I'm habitually late because my Just parents black. are habitually, well, that, and um, my parents are habitually late. Like, they are always late for everything. Work, church, anything. Um, you have to tell them 30 minutes early. And it's because they're getting ready. And we might walk out in a t-shirt and some jeans, but it takes time. Just, you got to moisturize. You got to make sure you shower well. You I love to, that. I, I believe in a long shower. Um, every time I go on vacation, people are like, well, you go first if we're sharing a room or a space. Because it's like, you're going to be a while. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the 20 minute shower. It's um, always crazy to me though, how people can shower in like seven minutes. I was like, are you really? I don't get it. I don't get it. The water it has, has to touch my body for at least five minutes first. Before, before, before I even the soap do anything. Even, yeah. <laughs> before I even do, I just need to take it in. <laughs> yeah, I, I just stand there. Just stand yeah. there. I, I, yeah, so. So yeah, beauty has always been, not beauty, but just personal care has always been a thing mm -hmm. in my house. My mom has always bought Dove, so it's a full circle moment that I'm now working on the brand. Um, Dove Men Plus Care, what's funny about that is when I was in college, um, they were launching. So that was what, 10 years ago, they were launching. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading an article in an advertising class about how they were launching and targeting women with men in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because, um, the brand has kind of strayed away from that because men are now more into personal grooming. Um, too. <laughs> yeah. And so they've strayed away from that, but now it's like, they're trying to go back. Cause it's like, we need to go back to basics and figure out how to get the women to buy for the man. And then, you know, oftentimes women are head of households and they're buying all the products. So that's really who you need to be talking to. Right. Which is actually a smart strategy because you just get tired of men using your stuff. So it's like, here, just take your right. own. Right. Have your own stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's, that's a, um, that's research shows that men just use whatever is in the shower already. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that crazy? <laughs> that is so yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's there, that's what we're going to use. Yeah. I'm like, you are like, you are stripping your skin of any moisture. Like you should not get out the shower and be this ashy and broken. Like, yeah. what are you using? What did you yeah. buy? Irish spring soap. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to throw shade at any other brands. <laughs> All right, so, so what exactly do you do as a digital brand manager? It sounds kind of cool. Um, and also, what would you, what advice would you give if somebody is looking to get into this field or specifically into this role? Well, now's the time because everybody's looking for a digital expert. Um, and I think like I said, I had no background in consumer packaged goods at all. And when we talk about consumer packaged goods, that's soap, that's body wash, that's deodorant, shampoo, or it can be um, soda or even alcohol. Um, so, or like wines and spirits, all of those are consumer packaged goods. I had no experience in that at all. It typically, if you want to transition into that, it takes an MBA to be able to do so, particularly at my level. I do not have an MBA. Um, I just think I was blessed to have only worked in digital marketing. So even when I got my start at Amex, I was strictly digital. And then Audible, obviously, is the um, subsidiary of Amazon. It's a digital product that's only sold online. Um, so like we didn't even use the term digital because everything was digital. And so um, I think because of my expertise in digital, I was able to transition into a role where um, the focus is a consumer packaged good, but I have this digital expertise. Now I will say, um, most consumer packaged goods companies don't really understand what digital means. Mm -hmm. And so they bring you in and they're just like, oh, there's a bunch of white space, just figure it out. And so I'm like, okay. Um, and so I, it took me a while to you know, figure out like what the focus was. So it took me um, a lot of kind of talking to people and figuring out what they thought needed to be done from a digital perspective. And then putting my lens on that and figuring out what I was going to do. So it's essentially my job to manage all the digital touch points. So that's the website, which we call our personal brand site. 
um, managing our relationships with um, retailers, so Amazon, Target, Walmart, CVS. And we also have an e-com team. And e-com is a bit different from digital because they, they speak directly to, um, they're the liaison between me and, or the, between the, uh, the retailers and myself. And so I work closely with folks who are not digital to say, hey, you have um, XYZ product launching. You need to make sure that it's on one, our website, two, that it's getting traction on social. Um, so I'll work closely with um, a team that manages Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, and Pinterest and YouTube as well. And then you also want to make sure that everything is locked and loaded with retailers. So it's kind of my job to make sure that the products that um, other brand managers are focused on um, selling, so they're focused on the P&L, I'm focused on making sure that those products are landing on every digital platform that we, we can be on. So as a manager, are the people under you, are those people that run the individual social platforms for Dove and Dove Men Care? So it's actually, and I think it's different everywhere, but I'm managing folks at agencies. So um, we have an agency that manages Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then I kind of help keep that team in you know order. And then Instagram, this is the interesting part, it's gonna get tricky. Instagram is run by our global team in the UK. Um, so, right. So, <laughs> so they, they manage that platform and we have input, I'll say, on what should be shown um, because the US is the largest market. So we wanna make sure that our products and that our campaigns are actually running on all of those different platforms. That's really interesting. Um, has your job changed at all since COVID? Um, yes, um, yes and no. I will say, so Unilever is really big on, and I keep saying Unilever, but Unilever is the company that owns Dove and Dove Plus Care, along with a bunch of other brands like Tresemme, Vaseline, um, Shea Moisture, um, a ton of other brands as well, and food and, and, and refreshments as well. So. Um, but Unilever, people work from home pretty often, like they were working from home pre-pandemic. I think I was going to the office maybe three to four times a week. Most people are home on Fridays. It's like an unwritten rule that people work from home on Fridays, um, unless you have like a meeting to attend. So I will say like, just not going into the office at all, obviously, that's a big change. Um, I had to like set up a desk at home and find a chair. So, um, so that has changed. Um, but I will say the, the workload changed quite a bit because, because we're beauty and personal care and I work specifically on um, personal wash, deodorant and shampoo. Those are like the products that I focus on um, and what we sell. Um, I did have to we had to just update a lot of claims on the website. We wanted to make sure that people knew that the products were effectively washing away bacteria. So that's something you want to add that you don't necessarily say because it's not like we're selling Germex. We're just, you know, we're, we're typically talking about the, um, the properties of the product from a perspective of it has moisturizing cream or it nourishes your skin. Now we actually need to focus on it washes away bacteria, right. um, which <laughs> because that's what everybody was focused on. So we had a huge campaign 
um, called Wash to Care, just making sure that people were washing their hands um, on a regular basis and just kind of reiterating that message. So we partnered with the World Health Organization to do that. Um, we did a really cool hand washing video um, with DJ Khaled that I don't know if you all have seen it, but that was really cool. He created like this rap song with his son in the video and then the, at the beginning of it and then it, the rest of it was animated, just kind of teaching kids how to properly wash their hands. Um, and so work, it was really busy at the beginning of the pandemic. Then things started to slow down a bit, um, but then they picked back up with Black Lives Matter. Um, because mm -hmm. I would say for, particularly for Father's Day, Doveman Plus Care focuses on the fatherhood space when it comes to our brand purpose. And so we had been working on this film with Imagine Entertainment and Apple, um, Apple TV um, for two years. So Bryce Dallas Howard directed a film about fatherhood that featured her brother and her dad, Ron Howard, and um, Will Smith was in the film. Um, uh, oh, I saw an ad for yeah, that on uh, yeah. Hulu. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that was already locked and loaded. And so there were celebrity dads and then like everyday dads telling their stories. And it was a really good film. I think I watched the first cut over a year ago. So it's changed quite a bit. Um, so you can imagine like the film was already scheduled two years ago for this year for Father's Day 2020. So then the week before we were like, we can't put out this happy-go-lucky cheery message when black men are being taken from their families at the hands of the at the hands of police. And so um, we have amazing agencies who worked with us around the clock to come up with fathersdaytaken.com where we work closely with an organization um, that helps out families who have experienced or have lost someone to gun violence, whether it be by the hands of the police or otherwise. Um, so we partnered with them where we had, and we also asked consumers to, we said we were gonna donate a million dollars. We asked consumers, consumers to purchase a $5 virtual card that they could send to their fathers. And we've already raised like over $60,000. Wow. Um, just because, you know, we it's been shown that brands who have purpose tend to perform better because people feel like there's something about the brand that resonates with them or they feel connected with it in some way. And so um, we were able to get that out and we put out, a, we used one of the dads, the, uh, one of the black dads from the film to actually, um, he did the voiceover for the trailer for our Father's Day Taken um, digital asset. Um, and it's actually on TV as well. So we were able to kind of turn that around very quickly, um, but it was like, we couldn't just say, hey, happy Father's Day, here's this movie with all these black dads in it and not acknowledge what was happening in, in America. Yeah. So speaking of um, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that happened back in June, the pull up or shut up challenge then um, took off as well. Yeah. And Unilever made it known that 25% of their U.S. workforce identifies as Black, 17% residing in positions of leadership. So that, I guess, is approximately 25% across 29 brands. So Okay. Our assumption, and this was just what you know, what we saw on social media reported. Our yeah. assumption is that the bulk of that is attributed to Shea Moisture. So, one, okay. is that accurate? And two, from your personal experience, what do you see day to day, and uh, to sh 
does Dub really show up as an inclusive place to work? So I would say yes. Um, my my perception might be a little skewed because I am also the vice president of communications um, within our Black employee network. So I see all the Black people all the time. Mm-hmm. You're like, we Black as hell up right, here. <laughs> right. And, and same at Amex, I was also um, a leader in the Black employee network. So it's like, I was always around the Black people, so I never mm-hmm. n- I never didn't see them. But I feel like for a Black person who just comes to work every day and may not be as involved with the extracurriculars, they might think, I don't see any Black people around me. Mm-hmm. And so I will say, so to the numbers point, I really don't know, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that Sundial does have a number of Black people who work there. They sit in the different buildings, so we don't see them on a regular basis. Okay. Um, but I do have friends... Um, Shea Moisture, or who did? Shea, so, so, sorry, Sundial. Sundial is Shea Moisture, Madam C.J. Walker yeah. Brands, um, all of that. And so they were, I think when we initially acquired them, they had an office in White Plains, so we never saw them. But then Unilever had a space. So Unilever is headquartered, and the U.S. office is headquartered in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. There's also a Unilever space in Tribeca the Sundial team took over the Tribeca space. The Tribeca space isn't that big. So in my mind, there can't be that many Black people there. Um, (laughs) And then it's it's contrary to popular belief, there are like the leader, the CEO of of Shea Moisture and Sundial Brands is a Black woman and her leadership team is Black, but there are white people and people who are not of color who work at those brands. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I think that might be, because I think they were, they were already there, likely. But, you know, people are moving around a lot. So once they came into the Unilever family, it's now easy for someone to say, hey, I work on Tresemme. I want to go try to work on Shea Moisture shampoo instead of Tresemme. So there's a lot of movement. And people from Shea have come over to Unilever as well. Um, so, you know, I don't know how many employees they had total and how much that helps our numbers. Um, but I will say from a beauty and personal care perspective, um, like I said, at Unilever, our leader is an African-American woman. The CEO of Sundial Brands is an African-American woman. Her leadership team is filled with mostly African-American women. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the pull-up or shut-up, pull-up challenge was um, very interesting because I think compared to other companies, we were kind of leading. Mm-hmm. And that's actually sad because it, it's not like we have that many Mm-hmm. And um, leadership has made it known, particularly Black leadership, they're standing up and saying, we have to make a commitment to make this better. And I will say, like, when I got there, when I got to Unilever, because of the way that we're set up and because, like, people work from home quite often and we don't sit in the same seat every day, we have, like, ho- hotel-style desks where you just kind of pop a squat wherever, um, I didn't know who was who. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw black people, but I don't know, like, are they in positions of leadership? I don't know what they do. Um, like no one has an office. People just kind of sit wherever, literally. Um, so I think that, you know, we, we have a long way to go. I'm happy to know that Unilever as a company is, um, ahead and further ahead of other brands and other companies out there. Um, but there is a commitment to kind of help, um, bring in other Uh, talent of color and specifically African-American talent. Um, And I think the other focus is kind of retaining that talent because the people will come in, but then they'll leave to go somewhere else. So they'll do two or three years and then they'll decide to kind of 
do something else. So I think that's the issue that we have is kind of retaining the talent. It's not really bringing them in. That's the issue. Yeah, I think um, I think it's really interesting when we talk about diversity, period, when it comes mm-hmm. to corporate work culture, because I remember seeing um, on social media, a lot of people were also saying, well, like, yeah, you know, um, Black people are not well represented at these companies, but neither are members of the LGBTQ community. And it's like, uh, how would we know? You know, everyone... Well, right. That's not <laughs> something that you need to necessarily say at work, right? But you can walk, you can see somebody and say, hey, this is a Black person. Yeah, I was like, how would, <laughs> how would we even know that? Right, um, yeah. But, so wait, so you were traveling three to four times a week to Inglewood, New Jersey, is that what you said? Yes, but Unilever has blessed us to, with a shuttle. Um, it's, also, it's often a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, so I feel like Blue Ivy, you know, headed to work every day. And some of the shuttles are actually, like, branded. So, like, there's a Shea Moisture one, there's a Dove one. Um, so it's, it's cool. Yeah, we get on the Wi-Fi shuttle and just head to work, and it's like a 30-minute ride. That's a great perk. Yeah, it I, is. That's what I'm saying. So, but so if you're going to be in Jersey, you have to bring people there. They're just not. Yeah, that's a that's amazing. I feel like you yeah. you don't really hear about stuff like that. Um, which brings me to my my next question about the culture at Unilever. Um, mm-hmm. So I was listening to another beauty podcast. Um, mm-hmm. My second favorite. This is obviously my first. <laughs> um, and. A.C. Eggleston Bracey, the VP and COO of Beauty and Personal Care at Unilever. Um, She spoke a lot about the culture. Um, And she said how she joined the company in 2018. And she discussed how everyone she talked to in leadership made it clear that um, Unilever is a for-profit company, but it also wants its customers, its consumers to profit. So have you found that the Unilever culture is significantly different from other um, companies you've worked at, um, but also have you found that it's atypical for a major beauty company? Because it's not like a little indie brand. Right. Um, so I don't know if I can answer the part about it being different from other beauty companies, being this is the first beauty company that I've worked for. But I do think that she's absolutely right. Um, the goal is obviously to make money, right? We have to bring in revenue, we have to sell products, but you wanna deliver a good product. And that's why, like Dove is so special, right? I said earlier, my mom has been buying Dove ever since I can remember, and she still is. Um, and will if I don't work here anymore, she'll still be buying Dove, and so will I, right? Um, so I think that one, I think about 15 years ago is when a lot of the Unilever brands really started to focus on like building a purpose around the brand. So with Dove, it's like the Dove self-esteem project, um, the Crown Act, it's um, Project Show Us. With Dove Men Plus Care, it is uh, paternity leave and fatherhood. Um, with uh, what's uh, Axe focuses on um, anti-bullying. Um, Love Beauty and Planet focuses on more natural products that are really good for the environment. And also, you know, there's something that smells great and that, that, that consumers really like. So I think when they create the products, they want to, one, they want them to resonate with the consumer, but they, put, they push these messages of purpose and brand equity um, along with the product. Because you really want 
so I, I, I watched The View a lot, and I remember when Gillette um, re- released an ad, someone from The View said, I really want them to just sell razors. I don't need them to talk about toxic masculinity. And I remember the ad, there was, you know, some people liked it, some people hated it. But what Gillette did, whether that particular ad was successful or not, a brand needs to have a purpose because any MBA student, um, anybody who studied business, anybody who's worked in business will tell you that if your brand has a purpose that resonates with customers, customers are more prone and more likely to purchase your product. Um, and so I think that that's what Unilever does. And we have what we call a sustainable living plan, right? And so it's like, are we making sure that we're, we're making the best use of plastic? Is everything fully recyclable? Even in the office, like we drink out of mugs and plastic cups. We don't have paper products at all. Um, we don't use straws because they're not biodegradable. So like Unilever does walk, what is it? They walk, they talk walk the talk or walk the walk, whatever it is. I'm not good with saying. Do you know what <laughs> I mean, obviously, Neither I'm am not I. either, right? We all out here struggling. I think it's right. walk the walk and talk the talk. Walk the walk and talk the talk, right? They do both. And so um, they really do. Like I said, like they put a purpose behind every brand and they make sure they push the purpose first and then push the product um, to really get consumers ingrained in what we're doing and to get them to kind of, um, and I always say, people say that brands shouldn't be activists we don't consider ourselves activists at all. We consider ourselves advocates, but we want to support those activists. So if you're someone who's trying to save the environment and, and, and help with, um, with just keep global warming and all of that, we want you to know that our products are helping you do that. Mm. So speaking of um, the crown, which you mentioned, which is uh, create a respectful and open workplace for natural hair. Um, and yep. Dev is one of the founders of it. Have you had an opportunity to work on that or associated with it directly? Yeah, so I feel like for every question y'all ask me, I have like this long-winded answer story. <laughs> so I'm gonna try to keep it short. You could tell us whatever you want. If I gotta cut but, you in the, in the edit, I just cut you. Okay. And you know what? While you're while you're while you're telling us, if you can tell us like the ins and outs to the campaign, that would be great too. <laughs> yeah. So um, funny enough. I think I mentioned earlier when I started, I only started on Dove Men Plus Care. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about six or seven months in, I was doing so well. They were like, hey, you want to do Dove too? And I was like, hey, am I getting some more money? And they were like, oh, not yet. I was like, okay, well, um, (laughs) you know, know, as a black person in corporate America, you don't turn down an opportunity to do more work, right? Right. Um, Right. You got to prove yourself. So um, I jumped on board with Dove. And when I met with my new director, she said, okay, your first project is going to be making sure that we have information on the website about the Crown Act. And I was like, oh, that's exciting. And so um, I had already heard about it because I keep my ear to the street internally. Do you write the copy? I do not write the copy. We have a copywriter for that. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, what, do you have a problem with something we've written? I was gonna say, <laughs> I, was gonna say I actually like the Dove website. I think the copy okay. is really good. <laughs> I will not okay. give you credit for it though now. <laughs> um, if you see something, say something. So <laughs> let me know. Um, but yeah, so that was like my first Dove project. And I got to work with the, um, an agency. We use agencies for everything around here. Um, so I got to work with the agency to make sure that we got 
a web page up or a, a, a page on our brand site up that focuses on the Crown Act because we literally had nothing. And we do work with a multicultural agency. Um, and I you know, have to say multicultural agency, but it's an agency run by Black women who um, uh, help with the copywriting mm -hmm. um, because obviously they have the cultural competency to focus on something like this. Um, and I, I know there are a lot of things that have happened with the Dove that you know I may not be able to talk about, but um, I think that that's been a big problem, right? You don't have people who have cultur cultural competency to be able to write copy like this, um, or you'll make a mistake because there's a global team in the UK creating a campaign for um, a, 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 a local campaign. So it's like, you have someone who lives in the UK creating something for black people in the US, that's not gonna fly, right? You have to have somebody on the ground who really knows what they're, what they're doing. So it's all about making sure you have representation when it comes to the folks in the room making this, this is decisions on the brand side and also from an agency perspective. So we work with an agency led by black women called the Joy Collective, give them a shout out, um, and they're excellent. Um, they really helped us get the Crown Act off the ground through relationships. So they were, it's been now been passed in seven states. And we just, the Crown Act really launched last summer at Essence Festival in 2019. Mm -hmm. And we have over a hundred and I think like 65,000 um, petition signatures that we can now use when we go and take that, take that information to legislators and say, hey, this is why the Crown Act needs to be passed. Um, and funny enough, I actually got to sit in on um, a, uh, a Senate hearing um, in New Jersey before it was passed. And I was just like, we were there on the Senate floor. And there know, was who some, do you think you are at a Senate I hearing? Uh, I, and I, I had on ripped jeans. I don't know what I was thinking. I walked in and I was like, wrong outfit, wrong <laughs> outfit. You, you dressed up more for, the, for a booth. <laughs> for the polo classic, right? I know, and I wasn't, you know, you know, when you're on the way to work, it's like, what can I put on real quick? I just gotta get there. And I had to be there early because we had to go all the way to Trenton, New Jersey um, on one of our Mercedes-Benz Sprinter buses. So I was like, I was like, I just put on jeans and a blazer, but I was like, these jeans have too many holes. In That's actually um, my hometown, Trenton. Oh, really? Is it? Wow. Yeah. So I was right there at the, um, at the, um, I guess that's the courthouse or the State house whatever there. that is yeah, yeah the state house um we were on the um senate floor but there were some republican senators who were just like i mean this is just gonna cause more lawsuits if we pass this so like i want to pass it but i don't and he was like i think wow. you know the braids are, i think the braids are beautiful you know when my when my daughter gets the braids on vacation on the beach and we're like everybody all the black people are like no 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 no, no. what is he talking about but we're literally talking about being able to wear our hair like this and wow. wear braids. And I said this as in I'm, I'm on camera, but like a natural, natural hairstyle. Hair. You know what I mean? Um, that's what that's what this is all about. And so the that, ins and out. Go ahead. If I could just say something. That is actually like that. Literally, right there is an issue. The fact that's that, the issue. The fact that well, there's a couple issues there. One, the fact that he said well. I would pass this, but it's going to cause more lawsuits instead of it just being, damn, why do we, I can't believe we even need this for people to be able to wear their natural hair. And then the other part is this man equating his daughter's 
exotic hairstyle exotic on caribbean braids right right mm-hmm. and not really understanding this is our everyday life we are taught your daughter gets to take those braids that you love so much out of her hair when mm-hmm. she gets back we don't yep. really have that option yep yep yeah everybody wow. was shocked when he said it so that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with and that's why i like to say like we're not the activists but we work with a number of people in politics who will, like, we have people who go to these Senate hearings mm-hmm. on behalf of the brand. And, you know, it's, it's the Crown Coalition. So um, we also work with, like, Color of Change and the National Urban League. And so we have the Joy Collective, honestly. The agency has all these relationships where they, you know, have us spend the money, which is totally fine, but let's send the right people to these Senate hearings to argue these points. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it, it's been it's been super exciting. So... Yeah, it launched last year. We've now had seven pa- seven states pass the Crown Act. There are more on the way that are, like, it's been filed in a bunch of other states. And, you know, we're on the road to 50 states. We're on our that's way. That's on the Crown Act, yeah. See, and, yeah. And, and that's what I knew. Oh, go ahead. There's one story I wanted to tell, too, this personal story. I have a friend who um, graduated from Spelman who works in HR at a bank in Charlotte. And um, she had a case across her desk. I can't say the bank, obviously, but she had a case across her desk where um, a black guy reported his white boss, a black guy with locks. He typically went to work every day in a long sleeve shirt, tie, locks tied up. They had an offsite. He wore a short sleeve shirt. You could see his tattoo and his, he let his hair down. His boss asked him to put his locks back up and asked if he could change into, uh, did he have an extra shirt to cover up his tattoos? At an offsite? At an offsite. At an offsite. Wow. And so essentially that woman was fired. She Eventually she was fired. And that's like, that's what we're fighting for. So mm-hmm. it was like to hear that story. Um, and you guys, you've heard all the other stories from New Jersey to Texas to not being able, you know, to walk across the stage because you have locks, to not being able to wrestle because you have locks. Um, that's yeah. what we're fighting for. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, even within the beauty industry, so I, I used to work for L'Oreal. I was a formulation chemist right out of undergrad. And, oh, you're smart. Uh, <laughs> you're kind of smart, right? I know. Smart, smart. <laughs> and um, I was, so this is 08 to 2010. So this was right before the natural, or like right when the natural hair movement was really taking off and my, my hair was natural. Mm-hmm. And even just within that setting, the amount of comments, the amount of like fascination, the amount of people like, I used to have to physically stop girls from putting their hands in my hair. Um, like they would literally be mid reach. And I was always like, like, you don't, know what I mean? Don't like, touch don't my hair, me, yeah. Don't let me get fired because you want to put your hands in people's hair. Right, right. Um, but it's still even within the beauty industry, right? I mean, I know that things have changed and this was before I think the beauty industry really woke up and started to even bring um, Black people and multicultural into the fold, right? But just to say that even within the beauty industry, this is is an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I just want to say that, like, when I found out about this, like, Dooney knows, like, my experiences are literally apparently unlike any body else's experiences when people talk about cold switching when they talk about you know um like even the idea that the crown act had to be a thing 
When I showed up to Kate Spade, I used to work in corporate at Kate Spade. I used to come in there with my wigs and my head wraps. Ain't nobody touch shit. Ain't nobody say shit. And I was like, so, so when people talk about like how people, you know, would make them tie their hair up, like, excuse me? Yeah. I, you know, like, granted, Kate Spade is the whitest place. Right. I mean, yeah. I we couldn't even have a black coalition. It was about five of us. Like you don't even right. know that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it's 90% woman. Um, mm -hmm. But it wasn't like that. And it's like, if people could just not make issues out of silly shit, mm -hmm. yeah. like we would all be better off for it. Cause I was in there serving uh, fashion realness in my head wraps. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like, so any other place, it may have been a lot different. And you would think yeah. that in these kind of, um, I don't know, more creative cultures. Like it's not, you know, Merrill no. Lynch, you know, like. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's why I use L'Oreal as an example. And it's not to bash L'Oreal, but just, you know. But when, when they fuck when up, they people, fuck up. And yeah, and when people <laughs> think about like, oh, it's a fun place to work. You're making hair products. I was making hairstyling products. I was making hairstyling products. Yeah. You know? And it was still like. A thing. A thing, exactly. Child. It's sad, it's sad, it's sad. I remember. At Amex, um, one of my friends, um, a woman who worked there, she, at the time, she wore, like, um, a weave, but it was not the, I'm trying to think what you call it. It was, like, tracks, essentially. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, she took the tracks out. At work? And got, no, no, not at work, <laughs> but, like, on a, on a, on a so Saturday. She, got got she She took them out. I, was I got like, two stories, actually. Now, sis. <laughs> I, now, when I was an intern, I had a friend who was in the bathroom at Viacom. I was at HBO on G on G Chat or whatever we were using back then with her. She was flat ironing her hair in a conference room. <laughs> she sis says she has somewhere to be after work. Okay? <laughs> uh, I may or may not have done that in the bathroom. <laughs> but, but after hours, okay. <laughs> but my friend literally, when she walked in with her braids, her Harvard Business School educated boss, who was a white woman, said to her, can I touch your hair? And it's just like, you're just stupid with, yeah. with an HBS degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, All wow. that degree ain't got no sense. All that degree ain't got it's, no sense. It's literally like, can it's, I rub your leg? Like, no, you can't touch something on, on my body. It's yeah. assault. It's assault. So you want to know is. what I have that? So I, I have a, a friend who she says at work, and she works at a, at a pharma company. She says whenever she's asked if, um, whenever someone asks her if, she, if they can touch her hair, she goes, sure, but let me touch yours first. And she says, <laughs> she says some of them actually agree, like some of them <laughs> oh, here. response, and they're like, oh, my bad. Some of them agree, and she, and she says she gets so obnoxious, like she puts her hands all up in there to the point that they are so frazzled. But sometimes you gotta, like, you gotta turn it back on people. And I'm like, like yeah. flipping that shit over. Exactly. Put your head down. Like, <laughs> it's oh my insane. goodness. It's insane, y'all. Yeah. Well, let's pivot to something exciting, because this is Laura and my <laughs> I know. It's, it's gonna make us mad. Yeah, we gonna get tight. <laughs> oh, let's talk about self-esteem. This is one of my my favorite initiatives at Dove, and you mentioned it earlier, like Dove has some really good initiatives. Um, do you work on the self-esteem project? Because from what I, I researched, Dove is like the leader in self-esteem in the world amongst schools and anything. Yeah, um, 
they so i don't work super closely on it but i have like purview into it because i'm digital i always tell people because i'm digital people expect me to work on everything across the entire brand (laughs) um it's exactly well no the people at work i'm saying it's like herman can you do this herman can you do that i'm like i'm one person but um but yeah the self-esteem project started years ago like way before i got there um and i think it's maybe like 10 years or yeah like 10 15 years ago Mm. and um it just came from a place of one wanting the brand to have a purpose like i said earlier and then just looking at some of some of the statistics that like eight out of ten women or girls specifically because it really started with the focus on girl young girls um and also including non-binary people um or non-binary individuals um just saying that like they eight out of ten of them apparently feel that you know they won't show up to something that is considered an important event in life because of the way that they look or the way that they feel about how they look and so the goal is to show um to show women of all sizes of all colors of um all you know walks of life um from anywhere and to show the beauty in that right because we don't really get to see that in the media when you google a beautiful woman if you google it now i think i think i googled it recently and like two or three black people popped up because things are actually changing but i feel like when i started at dove i heard that they were like google a beautiful woman mm-hmm. or just type in beautiful woman only white women with blonde hair and blue eyes pop up well, for now, the longest time they they would only give us halle berry it was like we they would only give berry. us halle berry now i think i did it like maybe a week or so ago because i just do it randomly all the time now we got Lupita. Mm. Now we got Zoe Kravitz. And there was one, there was like, there was also something that popped up with like beautiful African women. And I'm like, oh, we're growing. Oh, we're, we're growing. growing. <laughs> so, so um, quick now, question on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where do men fit in, in all of this? Because I think that people don't recognize or realize that men can have self-esteem issues as it pertains to their appearance as well but I, I think they're often left out self-esteem of beads scraping the ground honey yeah 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 I, I will say we do have those issues as well and I think that a lot of our messaging obviously as um the climate has changed in the world and um and I'm talking about like the social climate um and now that um we're just the way that we label how people label themselves or, or how people define themselves or um, who they are, right? We've changed the way that we say things. So most of like five years ago, everything said girls, women. Now we are ensuring that we include everybody. Um, And that's why like the focus is still girls, right? Um, Because we do think that girls have the issue more than guys do, Mm -hmm. um, or at least they express it. You know, because I think that's the other problem with men, right? We can go on all day about that, but like, Men might be insecure and have self-esteem issues, but won't ever say it. A yeah. woman is more emotionally apt to say those things and yeah. to, and to um, explain it in a way that people will hear it. Men will just hide behind, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Toxic masculinity problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we do want to try to expand that and um, um, make sure that we are including guys who may feel a certain way as well. But um, yeah, it's really just out of, it comes from a place of making sure that people see themselves um, and make sure they feel represented and making sure that, um, that they just have the 
the ability to see that beauty is from within, right? It's not like what you see on TV. So we have a number of programs like no digital distortion. So we don't even, one, we don't use models, we use real people. And we do not digitally distort, you know, their skin, their features. We're gonna, you know, put a nice, not maybe a filter over it to make it look as good as it can. Um, we all use a little filter every now and then, right? But yeah. we're, not, we're not gonna we're not gonna digitally distort a person to make them thinner or to make them what people feel is more palatable or more beautiful. So you may not know the answer to this question, but it just it just triggered something in me. Um, mm-hmm. Have you all gotten any pushback from models when you make comments about real people and them being like, "Bitch, I'm real too. I'm just tall and skinny." That's a great question. <laughs> We, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's funny that you, that I wonder that too, actually, but it's funny that you say that because earlier when we were talking about the Father's Day film, I had to stop myself from saying, oh, we had celebrity dads and then we had real dads. Mm-hmm. And when we were in meetings talking about it, we were like, well, a celebrity dad is a real dad. He just, yeah. he's in front of the camera and makes money. Right. Yeah. A model so, body is a real body. It's just a, a model, different and, body that makes money. <laughs> And I was on a panel at NYU in, um, last year. Okay, and... panel, first of all, her <laughs> Her's be coming through at, you know, the, the VP of communications. Uh, I went to the study <laughs> hearing. I was on a panel at NYU. <laughs> I, I, I should have warned you. I love it. He's so fancy. I'm here for all of it. I love it. I, I wasn't on a, I wasn't trying to stunt. I just wanted to make the point that there were a lot of white women in the room and I kind of used that same talking point about Googling beautiful yeah. women. And at yeah. that point, when I Googled it, there were only white women who would pop up. And I was like, not to say that a white woman who's tall with blonde hair and blue eyes can't be pretty. I'm just saying that that's not, that's not the only thing that pretty looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I appreciate that Deb is, taking on these initiatives because the impact of these messages has such long roots and Mm -hmm. has has had such detrimental effects on Black communities globally. It's part of why skin bleaching is so prevalent Mm -hmm. in a lot of African and Caribbean communities. Like it's it's part of why a lot of young Black children when they, not even just Black children, Asian kids too, they come to America and the only thing they want to do is subscribe to being white because they feel like yeah. that's 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 the best. That's what's right, right you know? So I, I give it up to Doug for doing that. Um, and, and that's why representation is important on all sides, right? Yeah. So it's like, especially for us in front of the camera, behind the camera, on the brand teams. Mm. Um, I was on, I'm on, I'm on this digital hygiene hub where we've been kind of focusing on assets that um, help people out during, um, or that resonate with people during a pandemic, right? So that we just did something called Take Take Back the Bath, where we did these really cool assets all from like TikTok videos, YouTube videos, where we literally found those people, paid them for their videos and used them in an ad. And so we literally had um, this, this really cute video. You couldn't see the mom, but it was a black mom in a bathtub. And the daughter was like peeping through the door and she was like, close the door, sweetie. Like, cause the <laughs> mom just needed, you know, women particularly are at home teaching kids, mm-hmm. um, still working, cooking the meals. They got to take the dog out. They got all this Woo! stuff to do. So it's like, I'm take, tired. Take, 
take back, you know, take back the time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, especially during this time, and like the bathroom is sometimes the only place you can do that. And so we've been working on that, right? And so we've been using, you know, women um, of who of all different shades and sizes. And um, it's funny, like representation is important because there are two guys on the hub and then there's a woman who's leading it. And the two guys, we totally miss this part. There was something in the script about, you know, relaxing is as easy as, and there was a mom and she was like, no, it's not that easy. She was like, but y'all wouldn't understand that because you're both two single bachelors living in New York City. I'm <laughs> but you wouldn't know nothing about that. <laughs> she was like, I'm in New Jersey um, taking these kids out and going to these soccer, well, not going to soccer games, but doing whatever it is that they, they're taking them out and taking the dog out and cooking all the things I mentioned. Right. And she was like, but that's why it's important. Um, and there was another thing that happened on that same project. We were had a picture of a Black woman. And somebody said something about it polishes the skin. I say, well, let's not use polish because... I remember, <laughs> yeah, some, some controversy like, about that. I was like, let's not use polish because I was like, that that to me means that our skin is dry and ashy. Yeah, and well, we polish People it. are going to think, <laughs> right. And so, but just me saying that, because like I said, I'm not a copywriter. So I was like, yeah. I don't know what the right word should be, but I know that ain't it. Yeah. The, the copywriter, literally white guy said, oh, what if we say glow? I said, there you go. There we go. We're getting, there you go. I love okay. this. This is Teamwork. literally Teamwork. representation. Um, it matters. In yeah, yeah. So you, do, so you do work on deaf men's care and you've had yep. a hand in the pledge for paternity. So tell yes. us a little bit about what that is. So and that, I also want to say, before you mm -hmm. answer this question, I think this is brilliant. I have a friend right now who is going through some paternity things. I have had male cousins who have had to fight for they damn kids. Yeah. So, so the narrative that men are just out here, especially black men, not trying to raise their kids is some bullshit. And I go on and say what you got to say. That statistic is also, we, we, are, we work with a fatherhood expert who has written an article, I think it's for Newsweek. I'm going to find it and send it to y'all. But, and we literally, he's a white guy and he was like, that statistic is wrong. Black mm. men are taking care of their children. Um, are there extenuating circumstances that cause black men not to be there sometimes? Yes, but that comes from systemic racism. Um, but the police killing us. Exactly. Okay. There are like black men are taking care of their children. So we want to just um, stop spreading that narrative because it's not true. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to say the paternity leave pledge was my first like baby at Unilever because when I got there, I heard about it and I knew it was coming up and I knew who they wanted to work with. So it was Alexis Ohanian. He was like number one on the list and they ended up working with him and everybody knows that Serena Williams' husband, mm -hmm. also the founder, um, co-founder of Reddit. Um, and he was already in the media talking a lot about how Serena had a tough time with childbirth and how he really needed to be there for her for a number of reasons, for emotional support, to actually help take care of his own child. Um, and so he came on board and was working, he's been working with us for two years to help spread the message and spread the word around um, paternity leave, to help spread the word around paternity leave. So we created this pledge and we also created a fund a paternity leave fund where guys who um, do not have access to paternity leave can apply for a fund and we'll give them a $5,000 grant. I um, and I think we gave out 
two over the course of 2019 and then this year we will have given out 200 of those i believe and so um and i know five thousand dollars doesn't seem like a lot but to a dad who is in need um that's a lot of money right and so we because someone asked me i was at a conference for dads and someone was like well what is that really going to do and i was like well what do you do for a living I was like, it won't do anything for you. Check check your entitlement, first of all. (laughs) Especially for somebody, a father who maybe, if you do decide to take time off, it's probably going to be unpaid. That $5,000 is going to come in. Exactly. I I love that. Yeah. And we want this to support all dads. So it can be the dad who is mopping floors, the dad who is dropping fries. Like, you know, fatherhood doesn't look the same on everybody. And so we just want to make sure that everybody has access. And so that's the other part of it, right? Um, a lot of men do have access to paternity leave. And I have, I was at a men's conference um, um, in DC and one guy had six months off of paternity leave. He said he was going to go back after three months. I was like, well, why? That's He's better like, than oh. a lot of women. So at the, the company where he works, it was six months for women and men. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And he said that... Um, he said, I'm going back because, like, I don't need things moving ahead without me at work. I'm trying to get promoted. That's what they're and afraid like, of. Yeah. We have to literally get rid of the stigma around taking the time because so many dads who have it don't even take don't advantage take it. of it. But you know what, though? That is literally what impacts women. I don't know the exact right. statistic, but it is known that once women start having children, their progress up the career ladder is, is stunted. Yeah. So, so, so many women, I'm, you know, even if they have the time, they may not take all of it because they're worried about being pushed out also, yep. you know, yep. that women don't have the choice because who else mm-hmm. is going to take care of the child? So a yeah. real quick question though, have you guys worked with the dad gang or have you heard of the dad gang? Yeah, we have. We have. Oh, okay, so, good, good, good. For, lucky, I got to meet, I think his name is Sean, the guy who runs it. I honestly He's, don't know him personally. I just know of the brand and I- so, when we launched, um, we have this product line um, called Sport Care. Okay. We did a campaign where we found guys who had the same name as um, uh, famous athletes. And okay. I think his name was Sean. I forgot um, which athlete we, he name he shared. But um, he, was the, the, he ran the dad gang. And he lives mm-hmm. in upstate New York. And we basically brought them all to Brooklyn had this amazing photo shoot with like this um, world-renowned photographer who shoots sports um, and athletic um, photos. And he's worked with like, you know, Sports Illustrated and ESPN. And um, it was super cool. And I think he's a fireman by trade. No, I'm sorry. He's a volunteer firefighter. By trade, he has like a desk job. He goes to work every day in an office. He's a volunteer firefighter and he runs the dad gang. And so they actually, they just... um, marched and protested in dc and we kind of sponsored their march oh i love that and yeah, for anybody yeah. listening who may not know the dad gang they essentially it's a brand that is trying to dispel the notion that black fathers are not present so yeah um, i love that awesome yeah so yeah. let's let's skip around dooney you want to um ask your question about uh what's new for dub yes what's new for dub and what's new for herman like you know, you are clearly a man with his ear to the ground, as you have said. So yeah. how do you, what are some of your thoughts on how you plan to progress within this space? 
Yeah, so Dove has a lot of cool stuff coming out that I really can't talk about okay. or I won't get fired. Okay, um, so so how about this? Okay, but, I'm going uh -huh. to say something and then you just say yes or no, right? Is okay. Dove going to come out with, or true or false, that way you're not implicated. Is uh -huh. Dove going to come out with an app similar to Squire? Oh, I, I doubt that. Yeah, I I can think I, I think I can say no to that. Um, but we are because remind me what Squire is again. It's a barbershop like app. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think specifically for the men's side, right? We are doing some work in the self care space with somebody big. I can't share it yet. Um, Black or white, tall or short. Man, I'm what are y'all? <laughs> it's a it's a combination of all of that. Actually, <laughs> um, it's still in the works, but we are the men's side is focused on something self care um, related. Manscaping. Um, no, no, because we don't really have shaving products. Well, we do, saying. but they don't. Yeah. We, don't we we've had them, but they don't necessarily sell well. So. Okay. Um, you know, our focus is, especially on the men's side, like, honestly, I'll tell you, like, the focus is the personal wash products, deodorant, and shampoo. Now, we do have a face wash and a moisturizer that I swear by, but nobody buys it. So, <laughs> I've been telling them to hire me to be the influencer for the face wash and the moisturizer. <laughs> um, Get those coins. Right. Um, I'm like, you can save some money by just hiring me. I'm going to charge you as much as you know, them famous people out there. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot coming up on the men's side. But like, because, you know, we don't really, it's not something you'd use in a barbershop. We're not really focused on that side of the business. And then on the women's side, there's also a lot happening. And then, you know, there's Baby Dove, um, which we haven't really talked about today. And I don't work on it a ton, but Baby Dove is always doing really um, innovative stuff for moms. So there's a lot coming in the pipeline. Well, and then okay. what's coming up for me? Yes. Um, what's coming up for me? I think, you know, well, Talia knows this, but on the side, I'm like a a full screenwriter. So um oh. I've been I've been entering competitions and um, been playing with this for I've been playing with years. it for um y'all. I think the thing is is like I work all day, and so after the day job, I'm just tired. Okay, yeah. And like, I don't, I'm not one of those people who I don't have a lot of energy for side hustles. But <laughs> multiple streams of income. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I really don't. I don't know how people do it. Um, I, I mean, I applaud you all for the, having this podcast because that's also something that I've been working on. I've been working on a podcast for about a year. It ain't launched yet. I've recorded episodes and everything. Ain't launched you yet. Need, you need to lean on it. Let me tell you. I've I put it together too. Accountability every, partners. I tell everybody, like my friends are like, oh my God, y'all are so this, da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, because Talia be like, in my ass, making on, sure we get stuff done. I am, I have yeah. an executive assistant background. I am an effective project manager. Yes. I'll be all I it. it. Yeah, that's what I need. So yeah, I'm working on a, a few things. We'll see what lands or what happens. You know, this pandemic is really, um, mentally I've been fine, but it's just like, well, if I write my script, people can't touch, right? I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> what? Email it. Like what? It's like 
I, I don't know, but it's like I'm like in actual scenes. Like people can't oh. like touch each other. And Carmen, I'm just say, do it. Do, oh, it, do like, it. do it. Do it. Do it. Pandemic. Do they have to wear a mask in the Carmen, scenes? Like what? <laughs> let me let me tell you something, okay? Um, you are not Martin Scorsese, so by the time your script <laughs> get to filming, it's gonna be two years at it's least. <laughs> And it will be fine. You know, and you, you know, I'm a I'm a millennial, so I'm thinking I'm gonna just drop it right on now. somebody's Boom. desk, and I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna have me an HBO show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes my Emmy the next day. <laughs> so before we let you go, we do want to hear all about your skincare routine. Yes, what absolutely. are these secret Dove products that you've been trying to keep to yourself? Okay, so. Like y'all said earlier, you know, guys will just use what's in the shower. That was me until 2016. Um, I had a friend at Estee Lauder who just gets a bunch of products. Mm -hmm. And so she gave me like some Lab Series stuff, some, um, was it? Yeah, I think it was Lab Series and then like some Clinique. And so I was like, well, let me just use it. And I was like, oh, I like this. So I started to like use it occasionally and then it became like a regimen. Um, but I still don't do, women in my life are always like, it's unfair because I really don't do anything all that special. Like I just started with like a, a hyaluronic acid, like last year. Which one are you using? The L'Oreal because the rest of that stuff is too expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, like that, the $24 is all they can get from me for that. Then um, I have you like the, try the ordinary brand. Theirs is even cheaper. Uh, it's like eight dollars. Okay. Good. Like, I'm writing that down. I went back to it and I like it now. Um, That's my shit. Yeah, it's super. I'm cheap. writing that down. Yeah. Okay. And then, but now I, I just I, at bare minimum, I used to wash my face with bar soap. I stopped that. Sad. In twenty, in twenty, <laughs> right? In twenty sixteen, I started actually using Wait, which like bar a, soap. Were you using? Was it Dove? I was using Dove. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was using Dove, and I was using Dove Women, so because okay. okay. um, I was still buying that from growing up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I started to do, but even back then, people were like, "Oh, your skin is so great," and I'm like, "I literally do nothing. If I get a bump, I put on some witch hazel." Um, I do remember Tyra Banks saying that like Vaseline really helped her face out, and some people like it actually breaks them out. Mm -hmm. But if I get like a, a few bumps, I'll just put some Vaseline on my face. They tend to go away the next day. You put toothpaste um, on, on your bumps? I don't do the I don't do the toothpaste thing. I've tried it in the past. I don't think that works for me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, now I use I have a face wash. Um, what face wash I've, specifically? So one, I use the the Dove Men Plus Care um, face wash. There are a few of them. It's like it's only three in the line. I forget which. But there's one that focuses on hydration there's one that focuses on dry thump. well no that's the same thing i forget what the other two are i think but i typically use the the hydration one the one for hydration um i also use oh my god there's a black brand i have been using scotch porter that's not the one i'm thinking of though um because i'll test anything out to see if it works but i've been using um oh my god i'm forgetting the name of it it's a guy from houston his dad is a um I think he's a lawyer. His dad and his brother are dermatologists. And so he created his own skincare line. And I literally can't remember the name of it. And Talia, it's J Janelle's friend is the guy Ooh. who created it. Janelle Hendrickson's friend. Oh, same people's names, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, text it to me, find it and text I'll text it. it. I'll text it to you, but yeah, that's that one's really good. 
Um, what do you else use a, moisture, a moisturizer? I do. I use a moisturizer by Dove as well. I've also tried um, the Bevel moisturizing serum. And then that brand that I can't think of, the black brand I can't think of, they also have a moisturizer. I've tried that. Um, so yeah, I'll pretty much try anything, but I always do the, the face wash, a moisturizer. And then, like I said, I've been doing the, um, hyaluronic acid. And then I've also been doing, um, when I remember the super C serum for like hyperpigmentation. Oh, okay. You yeah. Know brand? It's the one that's run by a white woman, but it's for black people. Um, oh, she's from North the yeah. one Eva, Eva Marcel was like a Dr. Barbara Stunt? No, no. No, it's um, um, or like Urban, Urban Skin RX. Urban Skin Oh, Urban Skin RX. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The one that I yeah. refuse to use because I don't let white people call my skin urban. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh, she needs to change I, the name. I don't care if it works or not. The brand is Holly Hall, I think. Holly Hall. Okay. Holly Hall. I'm going to look it up. Have you been um, using a face mask? That's a lot of work. I haven't been doing that. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's a pandemic. I got time, but I also I've been doing less to my face now because it's like I ain't got nowhere to be. So, what about but I guess one hair? day I'm the hair. Oh, that's a journey. And you got a little beard there, not little that, like, but I see some. <laughs> That that's it's the hair has been a journey. Um, so as Talia knows, I typically just do a low cut Caesar with the deep waves, as Beyonce okay. said. Um, and now because of the pandemic, I just was letting it grow crazy. And then my barber called and was like, "I'm back in the shop," and I was like, "I don't know if I'm ready yet." And so finally I went and I was like, just cut some off the sides in the back and I'll keep the top. Okay. So I've, That's what I've all the trying. black men are doing. Every yeah. last one of them. <laughs> they I've got been, a little bit of growth and don't want to let go. It's uh, yeah, but it's like it's work. So I got the sponge. Um, I know that there's a tennis racket created by these black guys who are on Shark Tank, where you what? can like it's it's like it's supposed to keep because I guess the sponge takes the moisture out of your hair. Okay. And the tennis racket apparently helps keep the moisture in um but i've heard varying reviews on the tennis racket i'm probably going to just buy it and try it um but as far as products i've been using everything from shea moisture to carol's daughter um to um this some argon and moroccan argan and moroccan oil i've been trying everything and i think what i'm looking for now is something to give my hair some shine so okay. if you all have any recommendations, I'm open. Like a little oil sheen? <laughs> I need a, yeah, I need a little sheen to it. So it's like I got the curl down, but sometimes it looks dry and I can't figure that out. So you know what you could do? You could go to your kitchen and you could put some honey in your hair. You mm -hmm. let it sit for 15 minutes and then you rinse uh -huh. it out. Honey is great for moisture. Mm. Oh, good. Don't even waste, I mean, I won't say waste your money, but if you just want to test out some home things first, mm. um, apple cider vinegar is, is also great for hair shine. Mental note, I'm going to try it because I have and both of those you, things. If you're lazy, <laughs> just go and get some Mazzani oil sheet or something <laughs> from the beauty supply store. So, okay, okay. I'll try that. Mazzani, I've heard good things about Mazzani, so I'll keep that in mind as well. <laughs> Thank you for the tips. Thank you. All I right. call myself, a, I'm a new naturalista. Oh, okay. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. You know, we always accept the members. Um, all right. So we're going to do something called rapid fire. 
I'm not sure okay. if you've played this before. I haven't played it, but I've seen it. <laughs> okay, so we'll just ask you the real easy questions. Um, it's either or. Some of them are fill in the blanks. Just okay. first thing that comes to your mind really quick. Okay. okay. Texting or talking? Talking. Favorite holiday? Christmas. How long does it take you to get ready? It depends on where I'm going. At what age do you want to retire? Tomorrow. Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Ooh, dawn or dusk? Ooh, dawn. Where do you want to travel the most to? Africa. I've already been, but I want to go other places in Africa. Oh, what country did you go to? Um, I want to, so I want to go to Kenya and like get off the plane or like leave the airport. So that's one of the places, yeah. <laughs> I remember that experience for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Who has it easier, men or women? Oh, men, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I know. Um, and so our final question is, why does beauty need you? Wow, that's deeper than you think, right? I think that um, beauty needs me simply for my perspective. Um, I think that's why beauty needs everybody because everybody offers a different perspective. And I think that mine is unique as a Black man in a space where I'm fortunate enough to actually work on men's and women's beauty products. Um, I can take what I know from the women in my life and what I've learned from my mother and grandmother and all of the um, friends I have in my life. And then I can use that, um, you know, in, in a meeting to talk about this is what consumers are really thinking because I'm getting that feedback directly from them. And then as a male consumer, I can just speak from my own experiences and experiences of my friends. And I think um, my perspective is often different from those that are around me in the workplace just because of the way that I like buy products. So just because I use a specific brand of deodorant, I might not use the same brand of body wash. So um, I, I think my perspective is why I am needed in beauty. Love that. Thank you so much, Charmin, for coming on the show. This was great. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Until next time, Beauty Needs Me.